We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. You have caught us in the middle of a missions month where we are looking at how we share our faith. And uh, one of the things that we're going to do over the next few weeks is share some stories about how people are sharing their faith and how that's going. Because it, it, it varies, doesn't it? It depends on who you're talking to and um, various conversations you have. So we want to give you just some various examples of what that looks like. So Gwenda Smithies is going to come up and share a recent story um, that she has today that would be fantastic. Thank you, Gwenda. Yeah, so 30 years ago, I was at Canterbury University, and a fellow student invited me home to his family home for one weekend. And I come from Nelson, and I was in the halls of residence, so this was a special treat. And I went to their home, and I had a lovely time, and they started inviting me to various family things. Um, <clears throat> turns out they were hoping I was going to marry their son. <laughs> but I didn't, but I did develop a friendship with um, his mother. And um, we had a lot of conversations, and she, it turns out she calls herself a Christian, but she actually had New Age beliefs. Um, so, yeah, I talked to her, I gave her some books, um, I prayed for her, and I was her friend. For 30 years, I have been her friend. Um, <clears throat> during those 30 years, um, yeah, I've always done something for her birthday, and she's done something for mine, and um, we've had you know, phone calls periodically or whatever, and, and if she had some need, I'd volunteer my daughters to go and do her gardening or whatever. Um, <coughs> but <laughs> um, and I would pray for her. Um, a year or so ago, I was at the funeral of her husband, and I thought, I just don't think she's ever going to see the truth. I just, after all these years, I just didn't think it was going to happen. And then a few weeks ago, she rang up and she said she'd been sick and she just picked up again one of the books I'd given her years and years ago and she said, I suddenly saw it. I don't know why I didn't see it earlier, she said. And she is a completely different person now. She's, yeah, loves the Lord with all her heart. She talks about it all the time. She's passionate for the word. She's really walking with him. And I actually, I can't believe it after all these years. So, um, yeah, just the patience and kindness of God and we must persevere too. So I just wanted to be encouraged. Don't give up. Um, and I love, I love the scripture that says, um, don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Mm, very good. It's so true, isn't it? And uh, there are some people uh, that are close to me that I have prayed for for many, many years. So that encourages me. I go, okay. I've just got to keep persevering because um, maybe today's the day that they would um, know the truth that many of us here know, that knowing God personally is the greatest truth that mankind, that every person on this planet needs to know. It's what the Bible is all about. It's why God created the world to have a relationship with us, for us to be in right relationship with God. And it's an important truth that um, if we know, we want to share with the world around us. Now, we know it's really important, and so we want to do it well, and we want to persevere, just like Gwenda was saying. And so we're doing this series of messages to look at, well, how do we do that well? If we, if we want to share our faith well, what does that look like? If, we, if we're willing to talk to anyone who's willing to to talk to us about it, how do we 
um, break that down into a helpful conversation that's really going to help that person. So Fraser started us off last week and looked at some key points around uh, if someone is ready to make that step of faith, if they're prepared to put their trust in Christ, what does that look like? And he made three really important points. Let me just quickly cover those um, if you weren't here last week. He made the point that if, if you're at that point of putting your trust in Christ, there are three important things that you need to know. Well, there's three important things that you need to know as a Christian if you're helping someone on that journey, okay? The first is that there is a God and you're not him, okay? Because a lot of people think that, well, it's all about me. And, and one of the important truths that they've got to grasp is, no, it's not all about me. I'm not God. There is a God who created the world that I am accountable to. He's not accountable to me. I'm accountable to him. There is a solution, but you've got to believe. There is a solution to our distance from God, our being separated from God, but we have to believe in what he's done for us. And the third point he made is that there is a journey and you're just starting out. A relationship, a, a relationship doesn't happen overnight. A French, friendship doesn't happen overnight. A marriage doesn't happen overnight. And so on with, with God. It's, it's a relationship that we go on a journey with God on and it takes a lifetime and putting our trust in Christ becoming a Christian is just the first step in that journey and last week Fraser had a few caveats and I want to um, have some as well different ones today uh, just to to make it very clear first one is this part we we partner with God in sharing our faith Okay, so these are just some things, some underlying principles that I, I just want to share that we're not really focusing on today, but we're just, it's part of our thinking, our values, our culture here at St. Martin C3, is that we partner with Christ in everything that we're doing, right? Do we, you agree with that? We're cool with that? So it's not something that you do and then you hope that God blesses. What you're doing is you're seeking to be sensitive in your spirit to his leading and his guiding. And as he leads you and guides you, you partner with him in what he's doing. And that may be, you know, being led to the right person to talk to or how to um, shape the conversation or whatever that looks like. So we're kind of assuming that is an underlying assumption in what we're talking about today. The second thing is that prayer is absolutely vital. Actually, I would, you know, we've done other talks on this, so we're not going to focus on this component today. But I would go as far to say this, please don't share your faith if you're not praying. That, that's putting it out there, isn't it? Why? Because it will be about what you think or some technique or some formula that you're relying on, but it's not partnering with what the Holy Spirit's doing. So absolutely share your faith, but share your faith from a place of prayer where you're praying for those around you. You're praying that God's preparing your heart. So one assumption is that you were partnering with God. Another assumption is that prayer is an underlying practice that sits underneath all of this. And the third thing is that, um, like I was sharing just before, is that how we share our faith 
for each of us will look a bit different. And I'm going to share some stories today. And, but it doesn't mean to say that you have to do what I do, okay? So just you do you, do you, you know? And there will be way, conversations that you have and the way that you have conversations, conversations with people that will look very different to how I do it. Um, praise God for that, because you don't want to be like me all the time. So that's good. You do, you, you do what fits with you, okay? So we're not saying... In the examples that we're using today, whether it's Gwenda or someone else that comes up and shares, we're not saying you have to do it like that, okay? We're just giving you examples um, to inspire you, hopefully, and um, encourage you along the way. So this series of messages that we're going through this month, we're specifically looking at the conversation, okay? The the actual conversation that we have uh, with people um, whether on that journey of faith, whether they're close, like we looked at last week, and I've got some boards to help us out in that regard. Um, hang on, I just have to think if I got this around the right, uh, right way. So, no, that's the other one. I'm going to start at this end. Um, so, Fraser last week um, started here. So, he started at this point where someone's, let's say they're at this point of the journey, where they're saying, I need God. Now, that can happen, can't it? Where someone comes to you and you're in the conversation with them and they, they realise their need for God and they're saying, well, how do I give my life to Christ? Now, if they're at this point, fantastic. Apply everything that you learnt from Fraser last week, lead them to faith, that would be awesome. How often do those conversations happen? Probably not a whole lot. I'd love to have more of those conversations with people, but we need to be ready for those conversations. But at the other end of the scale, let's go all the way over here, it's quite likely that people are probably more down this end of the scale. And I can see David Bowman having to um, work the camera now because he's going, I didn't think you were going to go all the way over the auditorium. This is where people are more likely to be in my experience. When I'm talking to the average person on the street about Jesus, they're going, I don't need God, right? A whole lot of people in that category. Can you think of a few people in that, in that category? And then there's kind of the middle ground. There's kind of the middle ground between that end of the stream and this end of the stream, and it's probably this. It's, well, I might need God. So um, what we're going to do today is kind of look at, okay, there's that. It's where people say, I need God. That's what Fraser looked at last week. But what I want to look at this week is how do you have your conversation in this zone? Is that kind of helpful? Um, I hope. Is that kind of helpful? Okay, good, because otherwise we're kind of wasting our time here. (laughs) So, because in my experience, this happens a lot. And in my experience, people have very little knowledge of the Bible and of Jesus and what he came to do. And there's, there's not much Christian understanding out there or biblical understanding. So to get a person to this point, there's a whole lot of conversations that are going to be needed, usually over weeks, sometimes months. I met with a guy a few years ago now. I met with a guy every couple of weeks. Um, I got really familiar with the food and stuff at Papua Nui Coffee Culture um, because for, for every fortnight, I met with this guy for a whole year and, um, and he, he just wanted to process all these questions with me. He said, now, yeah, but what about this, and what about this, and what about this? And he was, he used to be in the I don't need God 
category. And then something happened in his life where he went, hmm, maybe. And then he thought he'd better talk to a pastor and someone knew me and that's how it sort of we connected up. And so we started these conversations, but he was more down this end of the, the scale. And then he slowly moved over a few months to, well, I might need God. Now, the interesting thing about the end of the story is one day he knew which church um, I, I went to. So it was actually back when, we're, when I was pastoring at South City. And um, he knew which church. I said, look, come along to church one day. And he said, oh, yeah, I might do that. So he's very much in this sort of camp. The one day he comes to church, I'm not there. I, I'm only not at church, like, I don't know, six Sundays a year or something like that. So out of the potential 52 weeks of the year that he could come to church, he, he chooses, you know, one of the, the, those six Sundays that I'm not there. Anyway, he comes to church, he goes up to the front and he gives his life to Jesus. And I wasn't even there, <laughs> which is fantastic, by the way. I was there. That's awesome. But I was just like, ha, ah. <laughs> I did all this. Work. But... It is wonderful, Chris, because here's the point, is that it's, not, it's good if we can go on that whole journey with people where they maybe start at that end and they go all the way to that end and we go with them through that whole journey. But sometimes you're just a link in the chain, right? Where, and it was so good to just be that link in the chain where I helped them move from there right over to there and then someone else <laughs> helped them across the line. And by the way, as Fraser said last week, when someone does start that journey of faith, keep going on that journey with them because that's just the start of the race that, that they're running, right? So uh, now next week, John T is going to look at how, those, how you develop those relationships and how you have some of those starting conversations with people. For me, if I don't know a person well, again, this is just what I use. It may be helpful for you. It may not be. Um, I'm usually sitting on a plane or somewhere with someone or, um, you know, get it, strike up a conversation, you, say with a random person that I haven't met before. And usually it comes around, oh, I take an interest in them, you know, what do you do, all that sort of thing. And eventually they ask the question, well, what do you do? Now, you might think it's a blessing being a pastor, but it's not always, okay? So trust me, when you, when you say, um, oh, I'm a pastor, I'm a minister, or something like that of a church, they go, ugh. <laughs> they, they, they really don't know what to do with that. Uh, but either way, however they react to that, my next response to them are, are you a church person? Now, it's a pretty unoffensive question, isn't it? It's just, I'm just asking them, like, have are you a church person? Have you been to church? And it just gives me a bit of a gauge as to where they're at on this journey. Are they way down this end of the thing or are they more down this end? Where, how open are they? If I do know them well, if, if they're a person that I've had a good relationship with, I might say, hey, do you want to come along to our midwinter lunch or something like that at church? And it's their response to that that will tell me a lot. But it's their response to an opening question like that. And it's good to have kind of an opening question like that in the back of your mind that just kind of shifts the conversation to spiritual things, right? And so I do that. So I have an opening question like that. And then I kind of gauge their response and go, okay, where, where's this going to go? Now, if it's a very standoffish approach where they're kind of going, oh, no, that, that's really not my thing, then I go in one direction, and if they're kind of a bit closer, 
then I go in another direction. And we see this in some of the conversations that Jesus has with people. You think about the conversation that Jesus has with Nicodemus. Nicodemus approaches him one night and says, well, how now can I be saved? So Nicodemus, he's right down that end, okay? He's, he's I need God. So Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus about, okay, this is how you come to faith in Christ, how you come to faith in me, okay? Now we're going to look at a conversation that Jesus has with Pilate, which is very much down that end of the scale. So here we go, John chapter 18. This is, Jesus is um, almost, uh, well, he's going to his crucifixion, basically. He's being tried, and he's brought before Pilate, who's a Roman governor at the time. He's got no interest, really, in who Jesus is, except for, well, are you guilty or are you not? So Pilate then went back into his palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, very interesting reply that Jesus has there, is that your own idea or did others talk about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate asked. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it that you have done? So just notice here that, that Pilate's not kind of going, well, you know, what are you all about and how do I put my trust in you? He's not at that end of the scale. He's at the other end of the scale. He's just going, I just, I just want to go back to bed, okay? <laughs> I just want to get rid of you. And Jesus said this, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Ha! Oh, Pilate almost scoffs at this point. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis to charge this man. So, so Jesus doesn't lead Pilate to faith in him at this point, okay? What does Jesus do? What Jesus does is he awakens Pilate to a couple of questions to make him think. A question around the reality of a kingdom beyond this world, which Pilate had probably never considered before. But Jesus just kind of sows the seed in there and just goes, mm, let's try this out for size. Have you ever thought that there is a kingdom beyond this world. Maybe I'm a king of that kingdom, not the kingdom in the present. And maybe you should be listening to me. And then he also presents Pilate with a, a challenge of, well, what is the truth? What, how do you know something to be true? And what is the basis of truth? So, so what is Jesus doing here? What Jesus is doing here is he's, he's posing some interesting questions to to make Pilate think about life beyond this world. He's trying to get him to think a little bit more broader. And if people are down this end of the equation going, well, I don't need God, and they're pretty close to the idea, where I start is usually with a pretty hypothetical question. Okay, Try and stick to topics. I don't make it too personal. I don't try and get at them or anything like that. I just try and go, hey, let's have a... Have a conversation about this. And you can pick lots and lots of different topics, okay? Um, and 
when you do, you're kind of listening in the conversation that you think, hey, this might connect with you. Let me give you an example. So I was talking to a guy I hadn't met. We were on a flight to Palmerston North um, a, a few years ago, and we just talked about life and rugby and, you know, the weather and what everyone else does. So, so this, this is just, I'm shortening it, but this conversation went on for about an hour or so. And so having this conversation, I talked about what his wife did, and his wife was a social worker. And I said, oh, that's interesting. Oh, tell me about the kind of social work that she does. And he was going on about that and talking about how she sees kind of the worst, he says the worst of humanity. He says, it's just so sad, the situations that she's in and what she sees. And he goes, and then he made this comment, because I was just listening for something the whole time. He just made this comment, he goes, I just can't believe how evil the world has become or how bad the world is or something, something to that effect. And I picked up on that and I went, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I said, why do you think that is? Do you see what I'm doing here? I'm just taking the conversation in an area where I go, okay, this could open up into the spiritual world or a spiritual conversation. And he goes, yeah, why are people so bad? And I went, yeah, let's go there, shall we? (laughs) So we spent the next 20 minutes having a discussion about evil. Where does evil come from? And how, how do people become so bad? And I presented him the option that just maybe it's not people that just decide to do bad things. Maybe there's a real evil power in the world that is at work in our hearts causing us to do bad things. And he went, yeah, yeah, maybe there is. And I said, now, let's think about that. If, if that's the case then maybe there's an opposite power that's, that's a loving God, that's, that's good, and is opposing that evil. He goes, yeah, well, there could be. You know? See, so, and, and maybe I just helped him move from this zone a little bit more towards this zone in, in that conversation. Now, again, let me emphasize, this story doesn't end to us walking into the airport terminal and dropping to his knees and going, I need Jesus. You know, it didn't happen, okay, because he wasn't, re- he wasn't at that end of the, the, the scale yet. It was just the conversation that we're having. But how he was open to having the conversation, because we're talking about a hypothetical question. Like, the, it's kind of the, yeah, I call it the, yeah, the hypothetical question. It's the yeah, well, what do you think about this? And there's a lot of topics that you could cover. Things like, is there hope for this world? Is there purpose to the world that we live in? You know, what, what happens after we die? Um, it's sometimes you can even go to the, looking at uh, Jesus and who he was and who he claimed to be. That's a, that's a trickier one, but sometimes you can go there. It all just depends on the spacer and, and how, whether they're willing to have the conversation. Now, sometimes it just shuts down. Like, don't get me wrong, sometimes people just go, oh, I know where you're going with this. You're one of those Christians and I don't want to go there. And of course you respect that. Of course you just go, oh, yeah, that's, that's all cool. Well, just trying to have a conversation, you know. Um, but then other times something can happen and the opportunity is just right there to step into. Let me, um, I'm just watching the clock and I'm just seeing how many stories I can tell. Let me tell you this one. Years and years ago, so I was only 21 years old, I was travelling around the world and I was flying from London to New York and our plane, the cockpit window broke in our plane. And um, 
And that's, that's a bit of a scary thing. So when you're in a 767. So um, all of a sudden, the first thing that we know is we're cruising at like 30,000 feet or whatever it is. Suddenly the plane just starts dropping quite quickly in altitude. And so we're all kind of looking at each other and go, okay, is it too normal? You know, like it wasn't nosediving or anything, but we're just cutting, you know, it's like we're coming in for landing, but we're halfway over the Atlantic. We're not meant to be coming in for landing. And, um, and then this, this, the, the pilot comes on and he goes, oh, yeah, um, ladies and gentlemen, and you could hear, like, there's, like, all this wind and stuff like that. He's like, okay, this is, this is bad, you know. He's going, we've got a bit of an issue up here. Um, we're just dropping the plane to 5,000 feet to reduce our altitude so we can reduce cabin pressure because we've broke a cockpit window, and everyone's like, oh, I don't think that's meant to happen. Um, and so uh, can we just make sure your you know, seatbelts are on, all that sort of thing, if, if a face mask dropped in front of you and you're going, oh, yeah. And, and so anyway, so it's all dramatic. It's all go. And I turned to this, there was, I was sitting on one seat, there was this empty seat beside me, and then the guy on the, on the um, window seat was a Kiwi. And, and by this point, we hadn't talked much in the flight. And I could see he was freaking out. I mean, he was, he like, was just, you know, he was like, I'm going to die. Um, I don't know why, but I was actually pretty relaxed. But anyway, <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was stressing out big time. And I said, are you all right? And he goes, well, what the, you know, <laughs> of course I'm not all right. We're going to die. And I went, well, we're not going to die yet. Like, I, I think they got it under control. And he goes, well, how do you know that? So, he, so I just tried to chat to him and calm him down. Learned that he was a pharmacist, um, had a family and all that sort of thing, going to a pharmacy conference in the States and all that sort of thing. And, um, and he goes, oh, this is so bad. And I said, yeah, 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 <laughs> it's, it's bad. But, um, and then I made this comment because, hey, I might not get the chance. I said, hey, but I know where I'm going. And he goes, what? <laughs> you know, like, what? I said, yeah, like, you know, worst case scenario, I know where I'm going. He goes, what are you talking about? You know? And so I said, well, I'm a Christian. You know, if, it, if, it, if, I, if I do die today, I, I know where I'm going. Oh, that's rubbish. And so interesting conversation we had after that. You know? Now, again, he didn't become a Christian. But we, for the next hour, <laughs> we, had a, we didn't die, obviously. The plane didn't crash. Um, we, uh, we landed in a place called Gander in Canada and got the, got the window fixed. But um, it really opened this guy up to a very interesting conversation. So if someone's in this category of, well, I don't really need God, try just having some conversations about life, the universe, and everything, basically. Have, have some hypothetical, pose some hypothetical questions to the person and go, well, have you considered? It's kind of the have you considered question. Have you considered what happens after we die? Have you considered whether there's life after death? Have you ever considered the claims of Christianity or something like that? Now, an interesting survey that they did on faith and the journey that people have of faith in New Zealand a few years ago that they commissioned showed some very interesting statistics. It said that of those people who are not Christians, who don't go to church, around three out of four of them are more towards this end of the, this end of the scale. So we are going to have a whole lot of the have you considered conversations with those sort of people. But one in four people that you might have a conversation with so one in four, that's actually quite a few. 25% people out there that don't go to church, aren't Christians, are usually prepared to have this conversation. Well, I might need God. 
I just haven't actually considered it before. Now then you approach the conversation a little bit differently. As Jesus does here in Matthew chapter 19, when he's talking to a rich young guy, and this guy comes up to Jesus, Matthew 19 verse 16, and says, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Now Jesus at this point is thinking that this is the have you considered zone. This is the hypothetical zone. So Jesus goes, okay, why do you ask me what is good? Okay, we're having an interesting conversation about good. Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. So he just kind of eggs them on in the conversation. Which ones he inquired? Jesus said, well, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honour your father and your mother, love your neighbour as yourself. It's pretty straightforward. And then this young guy shifts the conversation. Notice here that he shifts it from being hypothetical, the heavy considered kind of zone, the opinion zone, to the personal zone. He says, well, I've done all these things. What do I still lack? And Jesus goes, ah, okay, we're, we're, we're down this end of the scale a bit further now. You made it personal. Well, let's go there. Uh, Matthew 19, 21, Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be complete, if you want to make it, go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because... He had great wealth. What Jesus was getting here is he's going, okay, if you're really prepared, if you say that you need God, if you're really prepared to make that step, let's test that, shall we? Let's go there and let's see what you still lack. He, he, Jesus moves it into the personal zone. And there will be conversations that you'll have with people from time to time where suddenly they make it personal or you happen to hear something in the conversation where you, where you can make it personal and it shifts the whole conversation and that's hard to explain because it's just something that you've got to listen for in the conversation where there's this glimmer of hope where the person goes oh yeah yeah maybe where you say something like you know what if God loves you what if he has a purpose for your life and there's kind of this a response of yeah Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe he does. Let me give you two quick examples of this. And it's interesting as I was thinking about this this week, is that both these examples are, pe are young adults. I find that um, people that get over 40 seem to be a lot more set in their ways, right? And all of us over 40 are going, yeah, probably am, you know? Um, so it's much harder. They tend to be more down this end of the scale. But when I have conversations, even with random people that are kind of in their late teens, 20s, even up to 30 or so, they tend to be a little bit more, yeah, I haven't figured all this out in life, and yeah, I'm prepared to have the conversation. And yeah, there might be something about that for me. So one time, and, and again, if you've heard me preach for a while, you've probably heard this example before, but it's such a great example. I have to share it. So I was travelling down to Dunedin on my own, again, quite a few years ago now, and um, I picked up a hitchhiker near Amaru. And uh, he was from England, and, and we just started sharing. And I said, look, what are you doing in New Zealand? He goes, oh, you know, I was just going nowhere. I was just working all the time. And I thought, oh, that's it. I've had enough. I've got to find my life purpose. He literally said that. He said, I've got to find 
my life purpose. And trust me, you know, something like that doesn't, that doesn't go very far past me. I went, ha, 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 here we go. And uh, so he just dropped that in the conversation. And then he talked about how he's come to New Zealand to, you know, travel around and, you know, experience life a bit more. And then I just let the conversation do nothing. I let there be this, this pause in conversation because he hadn't even talked to me yet at this point. So he turns to me and he goes, so what do you do? And so I turned to him and I said, I help people find their life purpose. He literally, he's sitting in the passenger seat, he literally throws himself against the door. He goes, like this. You know, like, he goes, what? You know, and then we had a really interesting conversation about the purpose of life and whether God has a purpose for his life. He was really, really open. Now, um, did we get to Dunedin and did I lead him to Christ? No, but I did. When you're having that sort of conversation with someone, you can finish the conversation with, God does want to meet with you. If you reach out to him in prayer, he will be there for you. So it, 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 because they're a whole lot more open, you can tell them about what that next step looks like. Or you can present the next step to them and say, hey, you know, how you'd actually come to know God is this. And the prayer would look something like this. Do you want to pray that sort of prayer today? And they go, mm, no, not really ready for that. Okay, but at least, okay, they know what to do. You're, you're giving them the next step. Um, another example is I was talking to a girl again back from a flight um, from Auckland. Young girl, this is just about a year or so ago. Um, John T and Josh were sitting just behind me, listening and praying because they could hear this conversation going. And this young girl, she was, I don't know, mid-twenties, and she was a designer, fashion designer, which I knew nothing about, but I took a whole lot of interest in fashion just to, to keep the conversation going. And, um, and so I'm having this conversation about all this design stuff and all this sort of thing. And then, um, and then I was just listening to her, and I thought, you know... I think she's still, just in the conversation I could hear that she was still searching. I said, look, have you figured, do you think you've figured life out yet? Like, where are you going to go and what are you going to do and all that sort of thing? And she goes, in some ways, yes, and she went on about that. And then she goes, in some ways, no. Like, she goes, I, you know what? You know, what is the point of it all? And I went, oh, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Can I just jump right in here, you know? <laughs> and so we did. And again, she had a, you know, we talked all about the Bible and whether you can trust the Bible and all that sort of thing. And so what I'm saying is that there are people that you'll come across that are in the, well, I might need God's own. And you'll tell because you're having the conversation with them and they're not trying to shut the conversation down. They're actually happy for the conversation to keep going. And you, you put things out there and they go, they respond positively to it and they go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, maybe. And so if, if that happens, just roll with the conversation. Now, I know you're sitting there today going, oh, yeah, but Warren, you've done all this theological training and all this sort of stuff and, and so you've got all the answers to these questions and all that stuff. Yeah, can I emphasise this? You don't have to have the answers. Okay, you don't, you just need to have your experience of Christ and be willing to have the conversations. Okay, and it's actually okay even to raise the 
in conversations. Sometimes I've been in conversations with people, with, um, especially around why is there so much suffering in the world? That's a big one that um, people kind of wrestle with. And I present some Christian understanding around that. And they go, yeah, I'm not so sure about that. And then and they post something back at me and I go, uh, yeah, actually I don't have all answers here. Well, just admit it. Just go, yeah, I haven't figured that all out yet myself. That's okay. But at least you're helping them go on the journey of considering faith. Does that kind of make sense? Is this somewhat helpful? I'm hoping that it's somewhat helpful. So basically, we prayerfully look for opportunities to have those conversations, to share our faith with others. And when you ask this sort of question, like, are you a church person, or have you ever considered Christianity or anything like that, and you get a really negative sort of sarcastic kind of anti-response, it doesn't necessarily mean that the conversation shut down. You can do the, have you considered question? And if they keep shutting it down, well, that's fine, but you can, you can give it a try. And then if they respond a little bit more positively and go, yeah, well, there could be something to that, that Jesus thing, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's go down that track. Well, then they're in this zone, and you can personalize it a little bit more. And you can ask the what-if question. Well, what if, and, and, and the big what if question is this, what if, what if you did become a Christian? What, what would change? You know, what, how, how would life be different? It'd be, and, and it's interesting how people respond to that, those sort of questions. Because it's in these conversations that, that God does things, right? And it's really fun. Like, I tell you what, I'm just buzzing. You know, when the person leaves the car or I, 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 I get home from a flight like that, I'm like, yeah, that was so much fun. You know, like, and yes, I'm a true extrovert. Um, <laughs> love meeting people that I haven't met before and having deep and meaningful conversations with them. But this is, this is it's, it's those conversations that God uses to take people on the journey. And the cool thing is that he uses us on that journey as well. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.